Well, good evening. I'm glad to be here with you tonight. I hope you've had a good day. It's been a beautiful day, and uh, we've had a lot of good singing this morning and a lot of good fellowship today. It's been very encouraging. Before I get started in the lesson this evening, I want to ask you a question. Some of you know what that question is, don't you? Have you thought about Jesus today? Has he crossed your mind? I'm not talking about thinking about going to church or thinking about praying. Did you think about Jesus today? I hope you did. One of the things I'm going to remind you all through this week is every single day, you need to think about Jesus because he's what this is all about. He's the reason that we're gathered together here. He's the reason we have salvation. Is Jesus Christ. And I hope you thought about Him today. And if you didn't, I hope you'll think about Him tonight after church. And I hope you'll think about Him tomorrow. What we're going to talk about tonight is something that I've titled Cumulative Effect. Now, my wife is always my greatest critic about my sermons. And she tells me that this is the worst title of any sermon that I have called Cumulative Effect, but I can't think of a better title, so we're going to go with this. I want to talk about something that is a very important principle, especially for young people to learn. And the earlier you can learn this in life, the better off you're going to be. But I'm going to start, before we talk about the cumulative effect, I'm going to start by talking about another effect that is really important for kids to learn, but It's pretty easy. It's something that our parents really work on teaching us, and that is cause and effect. Now, you know what cause and effect is, don't you? Cause and effect is you do something and something happens, like I drop this and it falls. That's cause and effect. Most of our natural laws in this universe are cause and effect, right? Now, that's really important in life because many of you who are adults, you've known people that don't seem to get this very well, don't you? And they don't seem to get the fact that if they get their check and they spend it all by Tuesday, that it's going to be empty for a long while before they get the next check, right? They don't seem to get that cause and effect part of life. And if you don't get that, that's important. When my children were little, at times I would tell them, if you do that... You will get a spanking or get grounded or whatever the punishment was. That was an effort to teach them specifically cause and effect. That's really, really important in life because of things like this. You know what's fixing to happen, don't you? Now, that little boy doesn't know what's fixing to happen, but if he gets hold of that hot pan, what's going to happen? Ouch. You see, cause and effect is important for us to learn in life. You know, the Bible has a lot of statements in the Bible that are cause and effect. That are, you do this and this will happen, or don't do that because if you do that, this other thing will happen. For instance, here's an example of that. He who believes and is baptized, that's a cause, will be saved, that's an effect. You believe... And as a repentant believer, you're baptized, you will be saved, you see. That's cause and effect. And that's really, really important for you to learn. But it doesn't explain a whole bunch of life. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things that happen in life 
that you look at it and you go, you know, I just don't know why that happened. I mean, other people have done things similar and, and a lot of things, sometimes terrible things happen in this world. And there's not a direct cause and effect. A few years ago, there was a woman by the name of Susan Smith. And Susan Smith got on TV and she was on TV every night for about nine nights on the news, pleading and begging for whoever kidnapped her children to bring them back. Now, she told the police that she was in her car and someone came up with a gun and they made her get out and they took the car with her children and they disappeared. And she would cry and she would say, please bring my babies back. She knew where they were the whole time. She had strapped them in the car and driven the car into the lake. And those two little boys were dead in the lake because of what their mother did. What caused that? You know, there's not a simple answer. There's not a, well, you know, that happened because she didn't take enough vitamin B. I mean, there's, there's not a simple answer to why something like that happens. Cause and effect aren't sufficient to explain a mother who would kill her own children. There was another guy back when, when I was young that was very popular. Some of you may recognize that picture. His name was Ozzy Osbourne. Okay? And Ozzy Osbourne was a singer, a rock singer, and he had a song that was... I don't know, fairly popular, called The Suicide Solution. In the 1980s, there was a young man who's sitting in his room with his headphones on, listening to The Suicide Solution, took a gun and killed himself. Now, his parents burst into the room when they hear the gunshot. Their son is dead. They grab the he headphones off and they can see what's going on. They can hear that he's listening to this song by this guy called The Suicide Solution. Now, you know what they did? They sued him for his song, The Suicide Solution. They sued him and in the lawsuit they said this, Your song caused our son to kill himself. And we know that because he killed himself while he was listening to your song that talks about killing yourself. Cause and effect, right? Who do you think won that lawsuit? Do you think the parents won? Or do you think Ozzy Osbourne won? You know who won? The parents won. And it was slam dunk. It was an easy case to decide. You know why they lost that case? Because as his defense said, there were thousands of other children that listened to that song that didn't kill themselves. So obviously this song doesn't make people kill themselves. That's pretty simple, right? You can't claim cause and effect. Because every time you drop something, it falls. And that's cause and effect. But this is something different. This is something that's more insidious, more complicated. I want to tell you that I believe things like this are much more accurately described by this other principle of life that I call cumulative effect. 
Now, when I say cumulative, I mean something that accumulates, something that builds up, and you recognize it in some form in life. You see signs like this that say, caution, lead hazard, do not enter work area unless authorized. Why is that? Well, because lead has bad effects on your health, right? Do you remember just not long ago up in Flint, Michigan, they had lead in their water? Do you all remember that? The U.S. government spent millions of dollars shipping water into them and giving everybody water filters and all. Why? Well, because long-term exposure to lead causes liver damage. Do you think taking a drink of just one glass of that water is going to cause a liver damage? Serious liver damage? No. But if you drink it and drink it and you chew on your Chinese toys that have lead in the paint and you do all these, you're around the paint chips and all of these things that have lead in them through your life, if you're exposed to lead over and over and over, it's going to cause an effect, but it's an effect that accumulates slowly over time. I love homegrown tomatoes. Okay? I know some people that don't. But you know, when you compare a homegrown tomato to something they get in the store, they're just not even the same fruit, it doesn't seem to me like. And I live by the old axiom, there's only two things that money can't buy, and that's true love and homegrown tomatoes. I love homegrown tomatoes. We normally plant some tomatoes at my house because I love it. You know, tomato plants, if you want this off of a tomato plant, you've got to water it. Now, let me ask you a question. Which drop of water puts the tomato on the plant? I said, well, that's silly. I mean, not any one drop of water puts that tomato on there, right? Can you miss one watering and still get tomatoes? If you could not, I'd have never had any tomatoes. Yeah, you can miss a water. You can miss two or three watering and still get tomatoes. You see, the tomato isn't the result of one particular drop of water, but it's a result of the water and the fertilizer and the nutrients and the sun, and it's a result of a lot of things. Whoa. And that was a result of me wiggling around. Let's see if I can fix that. Is that better? Okay, I'll put it in the pocket this time. You see, the tomato is a result of all these things together. It's not a result of any one particular thing. Look at this. Which cookie made you fat? (laughs) Well, it wasn't just one cookie, was it? It was this cookie and that late night snack and that bowl of ice cream before you went to bed and the extra large fries and the supersized Dr. Pepper and, and on and on. It was a an accumulation of all of those things, you see. You ever try to push a car, especially uphill? By yourself, that's a, just an almost undoable task. But if you get a whole bunch of people, they all get together and can push together. And you have an accumulation of all the strength of all the people. You can accomplish a lot of things. Now, why am I teaching you this principle? I'm teaching you this principle because the Bible teaches this principle about spiritual things too. Let me show you a passage in Hebrews. Was that me? Goodness. I'm going to have to just stand still, I think. Okay. In Hebrews, 
lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. He says, you be careful. You warn each other. You look out for each other. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. You know, sin is deceitful. Sin will deceive you. You will believe when you commit a sin and you get away with it that it wasn't that big a deal. And it will slowly harden your heart. Some of you can remember back in your life, maybe to the if you were raised in a Christian home, maybe the first time you ever said a curse word. You remember how you felt? Hmm. Oh, goodness, is God going to strike me dead? But you know nothing happens, especially if mom didn't hear you, right? <laughs> nothing happens. The next time you do it, you feel bad, but not quite as bad as you did the time before. And the next time, you feel bad, but not quite as bad as you did the time before, which wasn't as bad as you did the time before. And this is like cursing or drinking or anything, anything that you ever do that's wrong. You see, it will slowly harden your heart. It will get to the point to where it doesn't even bother you to do things that used to make you feel terrible. Young people, you need to know that you cannot play with sin and not get hurt. If you mess with sin, you're going to get hurt. You may not feel it at the moment, but if you mess with sin, it's completely quit working now, hasn't it? You might get hurt. Tell you what I'm going to do. This is a constant distraction. I'm going to take... effect. The Bible talks about it in our relationships. He says, make no friendship with an angry man and with a furious man do not go, lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. He says, you don't hang around people that are angry people. Now the theme of this week is what? You remember? <coughs> Bad company, right? Bad company. That's what he's talking about here. He's saying, you don't hang around angry people. Why? Well, because you'll learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. You know, if you meet people and you hang around them, and those people are angry, the very first time you go eat with them or something, you're probably not going to walk out of the restaurant going, Rawr! 
It's not going to do that to you. But the longer you hang around people like that, you're just going to get to where you're angry. You're angry all the time. You're angry about all kinds of little things because that's what they do, and it rubs off on you. We've all heard about someone that their life got really messed up. And people say, what happened? They say, well, they got to running with a bad crowd. Right? You've heard that. Why? Why does running with a bad crowd give you a problem? Because of the accumulation of that effect. When you're around other people, you get to where you're like the people you're around. There's lots and lots of warnings in Scripture about that. And I know in your Bible studies, there at the home, in the homes you're staying at, y'all are studying these things this week. So we're not going to go through all of them. But suffice it to say that no one is immune from this effect. I know people who have been Christians for years. Something happens in their life. They move to a new town or their spouse dies or something in their life situation changes and they choose new friends and the new friends they choose are not godly friends. And before, before you know it, they have learned their ways and it says simple. And they've walked away and they're no longer being faithful to God. He says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. He says, all these things I want you to remember. I want them to be in your heart. And I want you to teach them diligently to your children. I want you to talk about them when you go to bed. Talk about them when you get up. And talk about them all the time in your life. Parents, do you do that with your kids? You talk about God's Word all the time. You bring it up when you're watching television and you see something happen in the TV show that's unrighteous or ungodly. Do you point that out to your kids and say, you know, that's not right. God says, and tell them what God says. You should. You need to talk about God's Word with them all the time. Do you study the Bible with your children? Do you have family devotionals together and read the Bible and talk about what it means? You should. Somebody says, well, you know, I tell you what, I, we tried that for a while. In fact, I think it was maybe a whole month that we'd get up every morning and we'd read one chapter out of Proverbs and we'd talk about it and I couldn't tell any difference. But it doesn't work that way. It accumulates. You see, over time, over years, over lots and lots of hours, lots of lots of different opportunities. I can remember as a young man, my father doing that with me. I can remember hearing him. I was standing there, and some of you may remember Phil Donahue, which was Oprah before Oprah came along. And he had someone on there, and I don't even remember really what all they were talking about. But the stuff they were teaching was the same kind of stuff Oprah teaches. That was anti-Christian. And Dad walked through, and I don't know why we were watching it, but he stood there a second, and he watched him, and he said, Oh, piffle! <laughs> Which is about as strong a language as my dad ever used. And I said, What? And he explained to me why what they were saying wasn't right. He told me what the Scripture said. You need to teach your children God's Word. 
You need to make sure that your family attends worship and they hear God's Word taught. And you know what? There have been a few sermons in my life that I heard, and when I heard that sermon, I walked out and said, you know, that's right, and I'm going to change something, and I work to change it. Most of the time, it's just an accumulation of stuff that I hear over and over and over and over and over again. And yeah, I heard that before, but you know, it is right, and I sure need to, I need to work on that. And it reminds me, your children need they need this to be, you need to hang things on your walls at your house that have scripture on it. The kids sit around and they read that stuff. Every time they walk by it, they read it. And those things will build up in the heart. Because you see, what you're doing is you're developing in them attitudes. And you're developing in them a way to look at life. You're not just wanting them to do this one thing, but you're developing in them the habit of looking at life through God's lens, the way God looks at life. And what that will do is that will inform and govern the decisions and choices that they're going to make throughout the rest of their lives. Let me give you an example of that. They say that I went to my first revival when I was six weeks old, my first gospel meeting. I don't remember that. Okay? I was just a little bitty fellow. But I can't count church services I've been to in my life. My dad's a preacher and we went to church all the time. Every time the doors were open, we went to church. That's just the way our family was when I was growing up. And let me tell you, since I've been an adult, there has not been one Sunday morning in my life that I woke up and I felt okay and I laid there and thought, Because I'm better than other people. No. Just because that's what you do on Sunday. That's just what we did. And I tell you, I could choose to stay at home, but that would be weird. It's not what we do. You build those habits, those patterns, and as a parent, one of the really the only things you can do are help your children to make you help make the right choices, the easy ones. But that only happens if you're consistent in it. If you teach them diligently to your children. You talk about God. Don't just tell them every once in a while they ought to pray. Every time you sit down to a meal, pray with them. Every morning, every night. Don't just tell them, hey, say your prayers. But pray with them. Now, I know, I'm a dad. I know you get busy in the and I know sometimes it's a whole lot easier to say, when you go to bed, you shouldn't say your prayers. I've done that. But what they need is they need you to pray with them. They need that every night. It needs to be diligent in your life. Scripture says in Psalm 15 and 1, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? He who speaks the truth in his heart. Do you want to abide with God? You need to speak truth in your heart. You know what truth is? Truth is God's word. And you need to think that way about everything in your life. You need to think God's way about that. 
And one of the reasons that this is so important to talk about is because your kids get a constant message from the world that's not God. Constant message. A few years ago, we went to Galveston, and in Galveston, they have this place called Moody Gardens. And they've got these big glass pyramids. You go in one and it's a rainforest. You go in another and they've got an aquarium. And they've got all these neat things. The kids wanted to do all this. One of the things they've got is a movie theater. And they had a movie about dolphins. And all the kids, oh, daddy, daddy, let's go see the movie about dolphins. I finally said, okay, let's go see the movie about dolphins. And so we went into this movie and I sat there for about an hour and a half. Well, they told us dolphins are the most evolved creature on the face of the earth, and they would rule the world if it wasn't for these old evil people that ruin their habitat and mess up their world and yada, 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 yada. That just burned me up. For two reasons. One, I paid for it. <laughs> and two, it's wrong. And we walked out of the theater, and I, I know steam was coming out of my ears. Because we walked out and they had a bench sitting out there. And I said, sit down, kids. And my wife went, <laughs> And we talked right then and right there about the creation mandate. Where God made man after his own image and told man to have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air and the dolphins. We talked about that. You might say, well, come on now, isn't that a little bit extreme? Maybe. I mean, surely you don't think your kids are going to chain themselves to trees and throw blood at people wearing fur, do you? No, I don't think my kids would do that. But I know that they're going to hear that message over and over and over. And somewhere, somewhere in their life, down the line, somebody needs to speak up and tell them what the truth is. And you see, the truth is dolphins are not more valuable than people. And dogs are not more valuable than people. And cats are not more valuable than people. Because people are made in the image of God. And dogs and cats and dolphins aren't. And we need to say that. We need to tell our kids that. Because they may not jump into these crazy environmentalist extremism. But they may give money to people who will pay people to go chain themselves to trees and throw blood at people with fur. Or, more likely, your grandkids will do things that your kids didn't do. And it will go on. You have to take the chances that you have to speak the truth. In every situation, in every case, Jude wrote a letter and he said, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith. What he says is, you need to speak up for what's right every chance you get. I think you've noticed the direction our culture is going, haven't you? <coughs> It's not in a godly direction. Christians need to speak up. Now, I'm not talking about being political activists here. I'm talking about speaking God's word and his truth. I had a friend a few years ago whose wife cheated on him. It was terrible. It was a bad situation in, in their life. And 
I talked to him, and he he told me what had happened, and he was going to divorce her, and, and I totally understand. I believe he had every scriptural right to do that, but I encouraged him to try to save his marriage. Well, he tried. It didn't work. They ended up divorced, and uh, he ended up years later married to someone else. But he's told me at another time since then, he said, I just want to tell you that when I went through that, you are the only person who told me to try to save my marriage. The only one. Now, as it turned out, it wasn't savable. She wouldn't do what was right. She wouldn't respond to Christianity, and she continued to run around on it. But what struck me about that is this guy knows lots of Christians. I know I'm not the only one that thought it, but I happen to have a relationship with him that allowed me to tell him that. The reason I tell you that story is this. You may be the only one who ever speaks up to someone to tell them God's truth. What a shame if you don't speak up and tell them. In a loving and godly way, but speak up and tell them. Talk about God's truth. You're encouraged to contend earnestly for the faith. And that's in any place that something contrary to the faith exists. We as God's people, if we won't speak up for the truth, who will? You know the answer to that question, don't you? No one will if God's people don't. And one of the things about cumulative effect is that it, it appears sometimes to contradict cause and effect. Okay? Let me give you an example of that. If you are have a habit of smoking cigarettes and you're addicted to nicotine, going and getting a cigarette and smoking a cigarette may make you feel better. It may. It may make you go, And one cigarette won't kill you. But if you continue to do that, it will kill you. Get a suntan. Suntan might make you feel better about it. You can lay out in the sun and, oh, you're looking good. Like people to think you're looking good. And there's no measurable effect of one suntan. In fact, there's probably no measurable effect of a suntan this summer and one next summer. But the long-term exposure that even though the cause and effect makes you feel better, the cause of the suntan has the effect of making you feel good, ultimately it'll give you skin cancer. It'll cause problems long-term. And because they sometimes contradict, sometimes that's very difficult for people to understand the, the end result of that. Sometimes it makes it very difficult for us to overcome bad habits. You know, a bowl of ice cream may make me feel better every night when I go to bed. But it also might make me a diabetic. So it's hard to quit because I like it and it makes me feel better right now. But way down the line, you see, we need to, we have to understand that things accumulate in our lives. One other thing that I want to point out to you is that you cannot completely control the environment that you and your children live in. You just can't do it. You know, my, I have three daughters and a son. 
My three daughters, we homeschooled. We were kind of a protective family. I really would love to have been able to put up a 10-foot fence around my backyard and protect my kids from all that's ugly out in this world. But I couldn't take it too long anyway. <laughs> I couldn't do that. You can't control that. And the reality is, now that Jordan has married David, he has more influence on her than I do. It's supposed to be that way. Whether Dad likes it or not, it's supposed to be that way. Other people are going to have a lot of influence on your family. What that means is this. While you have the influence and while you have the chance, you can't squander that. You can't waste that. You can't say, well, well, I'll get to that. You know, I need to start doing that. One of these days I'm going to, because one of these days it's going to be gone and your chance is over. you got to take the time and the chance and the opportunity that you have now to teach your family, especially your children and your grandchildren, about the ways of God. Let me show you this passage. He says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. This is, in a scripture, the principle of cumulative effect. You're going to reap what you sow. When my son was pretty young, I can remember one year we went and got tomato plants. And I wanted to try to teach him this lesson. And so we went and I talked about how good these tomatoes were going to be. And we went and we got the little plants and we went out and we planted them. And I woke him up the next morning and I said, come on, Jacob, let's go get the tomatoes. And we went running out there. And there weren't any tomatoes. I said, oh, well, (laughs) we have to water them and we have to fertilize them. And we've planted something, but it's going to be a while before we reap a crop. And we talked about this verse. This verse is true. And the things that you plant, the things that you sow in your life, if you fill your mind with evil, ungodly stuff, you watch nasty movies and you read nasty books and you you listen to ungodly music, It may not make you quit going to church, but it'll fill your mind. It'll fill your heart. And ultimately, you won't be one of those people who are speaking God's truth in your heart, but you'll be speaking the things of this world. You'll be excusing your behaviors and your choices by the things of this world. If you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap from the flesh. And if you sow to the Spirit... You're going to reap of the Spirit everlasting life. And isn't that what we want? Really? I mean, isn't that our goal? I didn't like, I'm just being honest here, I didn't like that my daughters moved all the way out here to Amarillo. I love you folks, that's great, but I'm a long way from here. Six hours is a long drive. I would much rather they lived in the next neighborhood over. But that's okay with me that they live out here if I get to spend forever with them in heaven someday. That's 
way more important than living close to the Lord. And that's what I want to encourage you. Keep that in your mind. <clears throat> Keep that important to you. And if, if you're a young person, listen, your message to this tonight is this. You can't mess with something that's sinful and evil and get away with it. You're going to have to pay the price. It'll harden your heart. It'll lead you away from God. It's just not worth it. Don't ever mess with it. If you're not a young person, that message goes to you, but this message also is for you. If you got kids or grandkids, or, yes, y'all work here in almost like a village, the church, take care of each other's gifts. Be serious about it. Take the time you've got because your time is very short and the time will be that they're gone and other people have more influence on them. Take the time you have. Teach them God's will. Put off Harry Potter and other things that are so important and fun in your life and focus on spiritual matters because if you sow to the flesh, don't be surprised when your children grow up and you begin to reap from the flesh. But if you sow to the Spirit, You'll reap everlasting life if you don't faint, if you don't ever quit. If you've been sowing in your flesh, if you've not been teaching God's Word to your family, if you've been playing with sin and you realize, now maybe this is hardening my heart, maybe I'm not walking as close to God as I used to because I'm embracing things that aren't true. If that's your heart, if that's your struggle right now, one of the things we do at this gospel meeting, this revival, is every night we offer an invitation. That invitation is for the purpose of you being able to stand up in front of everyone here and say, you know what? I want to serve God. I declare I want to serve God and I want to do better. I need you to pray for me and help me because the truth is nobody's going to look bad at you. Nobody's going to look down on you. The truth is the church is a hospital for sinners. It's not a showcase for saints. We're all here because we struggle with the same things. And if you need people to help you and stand beside you and lift you up and encourage you and pray with you, that's what we want to do. So if you have a spiritual need you'd like to bring before the congregation, please come.